With $20 worth of quarters in my pocket, I think I'm living in the shade of an 80s arcade. Shall we play a game? Oh. Hello and welcome to Living in the Shade of the 80s Arcade. I'm your most excellent host, Joel McLaughlin here. Um, and first, apologies for missing last week. Um, gotta focus on me sometimes, and that was kind of what it was uh, a little bit last week. This week's also going to be a little bit shorter. It's probably not going to be any clips uh, in this show, uh, but... As you know, this show kind of exclusively usually follows on 80s arcade and console video games, uh, as well as ways to enjoy them in the modern world, uh, movies, anything related to that golden era of video games that is called the 80s. But why the 80s? Besides the obvious things, uh, the obvious things like, for example, I am 51 years old. And I grew up playing Atari 2600, 7800, a little bit of 5200, my 800XL. Uh, I learned uh, in junior high, I had classes where we were playing on the Apple IIc uh, or Apple II computers. Um, and that's just the era that I grew up in. So that also, all that's not really all the reasons huge reason because uh, I love that stuff I, it's what I grew up with but just just is something to think about here is why is this great why were they great um, so I'll kind of structure this kind of in a, a top five um, sort of I'm not gonna really pay a lot of attention I'm gonna try to come up with at least five reasons so uh, there may be more, <laughs> so uh, let's pay attention as we go along here. So, um, probably the biggest thing was is there was nothing like this before. Uh, TV uh, up until when video games came to be was a passive experience. You sat in front of it and you watched a little Archie Bunker. You know, you watched a little A Team. You know, whatever was on at the time, you know, Little Dukes of Hazard. You know, those are things that we watched, and they were passive experiences. We sat and watched uh, the Dukes uh, beat Boss Hog and uh, Sheriff Coltrane and all those things, and it was a very passive experience. But video games, you know, while it's not to what we thought they were going to go to yet it's still happening all right they're still being advanced every day okay um but when they were first invented now we could be that man piloting the tank if we found the dukes of hazard video game we could be the duke boy duke boys uh racing uh to uh, fix things uh, and to not get caught by uh, Roscoe, you know. Um, so we can actually be them. Now, granted, we weren't really. Because when you think about it, in the 80s, uh, graphics were, especially in the early 80s, were kind of crude. Uh, they, you know, were blocky. And that's just what they looked like at the time. But it was incredible. You'd had a stick 
or paddle controller or trackball or steering wheel. And as you manipulated that control, that the image on the screen that was normally a passive thing did stuff. So that's kind of my number five. All right. Um, and related to number five is my number four. Uh, in our real, normal, everyday lives, like a good example of this is in my everyday life, I am an application services technical lead. Okay. It's kind of boring when you really, <laughs> when it really comes down to it. But I happen to be good at it, and I make money doing it, so that I can do this show, and buy things, so that I can talk about them on the show, like the Lotharek uh, uh, SD card reader for my Atari 800 XL and stuff like that. You know, so, but our lives are boring. Our real day lives are boring, unless we're into extreme sports or anything like that. They're kind of boring when you really think about it. But when you're playing a video game, you can be anyone. You could do anything. Um, and the only uh, thing that uh, held you up was how fast you can manipulate those controls. You know, So when you really think about those things, um, that was a huge incentive to play video games. You could be Mario. You could be Luigi. You know, you can be Pac-Man eating the dots. So that's a huge reason why a lot of people did that. Because now your character isn't boring old you. It's something else. And that's one of the, a huge reason why uh, a lot of people would, would play video games. is Because now they can, don't have to be their boring selves. Granted, you know, this is very crude technology for this. Um, as a, one of my self-improvement things is I'm trying to read some more books. Now, I have read, a long while ago, I've read Ready Player One. By the way, read the book. Uh, the movie's okay. doesn't 100% follow the book, but read the book. Um, and that's all talking about virtual reality world where you wear haptic gloves and you have a thing that goes over your eyes and you can run uh, via a treadmill and stuff like that. All right. Um, so that's all in the first book, Ready Player One. Ready Player Two, just not to spoil it for you. Um, uh, I'm starting to read that. That's one of the books I'm starting to read. In Ready Player Two, they have they basically talk about a neural interface that not only sucks you into the game but makes you feel those things you know within reason you don't feel pain like if you shot yourself in the in the game you would not feel the pain of a gunshot uh, but uh you if you saw an apple sitting on a desk in the game you can pick that up that's where i believe we may go at some point in our in uh, our future and the nice thing is by being able to manipulate the brain and to be able to do those things. Now, it sounds kind of scary, but when you think about it, imagine if you were able to hook um, digital eyeballs up to a brain interface the blind could see. Same thing for microphones. You know, hook up microphones or special ears to a neural interface, then people could hear for the very first time. 
and I don't mean just here like like they do with the current odd uh like a um there's implants that people have today uh uh ocular, um cochlear implants um, which is kind of the start of it but I mean an implant that interfaces directly with the brain all right that could come and that could be scary and that could be uh um very awesome all at the same time uh, but uh just imagine that you know that's kind of some of the stuff at least when I was a kid I kind of thought was coming uh Ernest Klein thought that when he wrote the wrote, wrote uh, Ready Player 2 so I'm hopefully I'm going to read the rest of that book and I might do a little bit of an interview because it is kind of very in the 80s uh, both Ready Player 1 the book and Ready Player 2 are going to be very 80s nostalgic because the character that used to run uh gregarious games in the system uh james holiday uh he was responsible for the vision of the oasis in the game and uh he was into the 80s just like we are so um number three of why did i like this well you know here it is um <laughs> uh, it was very escapist when you think about it in our normal day-to-day life, um, life, it, like I said earlier, it's it's a little bit boring, okay. But you have to worry about things like, for example, uh, uh, I've got to go take my car into the shop on Monday because uh, my wife got in a little accident. Nothing, you know, she's not hurt. The car has very little damage, so it's gonna be fixed in a few days. All right. That's an adult thing to do. But when you're playing a video game, or even if you're just watching a movie, you just get to escape from reality for a few minutes or a few hours. You know, hence, like, uh, I was watching uh, uh, some of the old TV show Scrubs, uh, and I was also watched uh, the first episode of season six of. Uh, a TV show called The Good Doctor because I just didn't really want to think about, you know, my day-to-day. So I was able to watch that and escape for a little bit. So the escape is another huge reason why uh, video games themselves are an escape for me. Um, And um, these are just, these first three are just kind of the in general for video games, not specifically 80s, but, and these are the things that we thought, I thought about at least when I first started playing games, uh, you know, when I was growing up. So, uh, uh, now we're going to, uh, the neg- the final two are going to be why 80s, for, 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 you know, absolutely why the 80s, and why I think they are the best video games uh, that ever existed. So we're going to go take a break and we'll be right back. All right, before I go and thank our hosting provider, I do have some shout outs today. I want to thank our good friend Rob Fott at Living in the 80s. If you like the 80s as much as I do, you need to check that show out. You may run into Matt Moore over there. And uh, like I said, check him out. Also need to put a shout out to Jason Peitzmeyer at Chewing the Fat, as well as um, Free For All and his wife's show that he produces in the salon. 
great content over there. You do need to check all of those shows out. And I also want to thank my good friend Travis at Roundtown Radio for playing this show. Uh, he plays this right behind Living in the 80s. We're like two peas in a pod. You got to listen to Roundtown Radio. Uh, thank you guys for your support. And let's go thank our hosting provider, Anchor. All right, so here we go. Uh, we're going to go with number two and then number one, and then uh, I'll go into what we're going to talk about next week. So um, number two, nostalgia. <laughs> That's a huge, huge reason um, for um, why are the 80 ga- 80s video games um, something special to me. Like I said, uh, these were brand new at the time. Uh, computers, you know, like I never dreamed I'd have a system like what's sitting in front of me right now. This Asus Republic of Gamers laptop that I have right now is a fantastically powerful machine. I can produce video and make movies on it. I can do so many things. But in the 80s, you couldn't do any of that. The 80s, you had an Apple IIc, which had a floppy disk drive. You had an Atari 800XL, which had a cartridge that you could use. Both of these computers could use uh, a cassette tape to store computer programs, which for me was just incredible. Um, Even though it's obsolete technology today, same thing with the floppy drive. Both of them had floppy options. But these are what they had, all right? And I had a lot of good memories of waiting. Like, like one thing I remembered was I would get home from from high school, and we had a cassette drive um, for our Atari 800XL, and I'd load up. Usually it was Minor 200, uh, 2049er, I believe. It was one of the games I had that was on cassette tape. And I would do my homework. And then right after I finished my homework, I would get the cassette drive loading the game. And then I'd go down and eat dinner with my family, with my mom and dad and my brother. If my brother wasn't working or if uh, um, I wasn't working because I worked at uh, the old Big K, BK in uh, York, Pennsylvania. But I'd go eat dinner. Then I'd go upstairs and the game would be completely loaded and I can play minor two, uh, 2049 or or if I didn't start the game loading before I went to go eat dinner I had a cartridge game like Star Raiders or Frogger Pac-Man you know Zaxxon we had also at home on the Atari 800XL and these games you know you really, if you, unless you happen to have an old CRT TV still hanging around that still works, playing it on a nice, super sharp 4K television like I do today, or playing it on my Nintendo Switch, just it's not the same. I mean, I see the same images, but they look look better. Actually, in some cases, they look worse because. 
uh, you know, these, uh, the images that the, uh, these computers can produce, they weren't very high resolution. We thought they were at the time and they kind of were, I mean, that was as good as they can be, but there's nothing, there was nothing like popping that cartridge in and playing little games. There was nothing like going, the, the even better experience was going to the arcade with a pocket full of quarters and entertain yourself for an hour or two. And by the way, you had an incentive to be good at the video game because the longer uh the better more skilled you became at the video game the longer you can play the longer you can stretch that quarter and there's nothing like that today now it's a grind like uh i bought a few years ago i bought my son uh an atari uh, not atari a microsoft xbox 360 um and uh it came with the game called uh, and uh, Skyrim, all right. Skyrim ahead on that, and it, by all accounts, it is a better game uh, graphically, and sound and everything in the game is better than any game I ever played in the eighties. But what do I like to play more? The eighties video game. The reason is, is on those, you know, you just got to the next level. All right, and the next level was just a harder version of the first level when you really think about it. It wasn't looking for a little piece of puzzle on the uh, in Skyrim, trying to find that person they had to talk to, or all those other things that uh, that normal life is full of. All right, none of that. You just you played the game. Now, in modern parlance, some of the games that we had had a lot of grinding, but it wasn't as laborious as, at least it didn't seem as laborious back in the day as playing Skyrim does today. So, and I have fond memories of going to the arcade and wasting my whole $5 of allowance uh, at the arcade. So, um, and then once I started working at BK, my paycheck. So, um, <laughs> um, and the number one, uh, I kind of touched on it a little bit when I talked about Skyrim is simpler games and simpler times. Pac-Man was, had a very simple goal, eat all the dots, run away from the ghosts, don't get killed. And if you were about to be run over by a ghost, you'd eat the power pellet and then you can eat the ghost. That's it. That's all you had to understand you just had to figure out how to manipulate that joystick so that you could live the longest. You had to figure out the patterns of the video game. And once you did, you could play for hours if you got that good. <laughs> um, I didn't get that good, but I still had a great time. When I, when I lost a man in Pac-Man, I didn't feel dejected like if, as if, if my character died in Skyrim. You don't get that in today's games, and that's what they're missing. So, and that's why the '80s video games are great, and why I continue to be a fan of them. So, I know this might seem to be just a lot of me rambling, not talking about games specific, but these are the reasons I think why I think the '80s video game era was just a era unlike any other. And we'll never have it again. We can just use the number two. And have some nostalgic days before we uh, leave this uh, mortal coil 
called Earth. So um, I want to thank everyone for listening this week. Next week, I have some homework for myself before I go into next week. Um, right, you know, up until the last couple of shows, I did uh, quite a, a few, uh, ep- a couple episodes on movies. That's what I'm going to do next week. I want to watch again the movie called The Wiz, starring Fred Savage from The Wonder Years. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that movie. I think I've used some of the clips before when I talked about like top five movies and stuff like that. But this is going to be explicitly on The Wiz. Why it was a wonderful movie. Um, And kind of underrated. Uh, So we'll go into a little bit of that as well. So I want to thank everyone for listening this week. Everyone, I hope that you're safe. I hope that your house is in order. And I hope you take an effort to worship God in however you see fit possible. Possible, I should say. <laughs> Easy for me. See, I'm a Christian. One of the things that's more important to me than anything is that you uh, follow Jesus. All right? You're not going to get any scripture on this show, but that that's my hope for everyone who listens to this show. Um, you can, by the way, you know, yeah, this is about as close as I'm going to get to proselytizing on the show. So, um, But I just wish everyone have a great week. Have a wonderful rest of your weekend, and God bless.